You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 225 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by HandsOnGloves.com, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we take a walk around Monty's farm and hear his perspective on life's goals. Then Michelle Merch describes the wild horses in the course she's taking on Monty's farm. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And guess who's not joining us? Jen is on a cruise right now, so she's AWOL. Oh, well. But um, she's going to miss some really good stuff, but she'll have to hear the podcast, right? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit with Monty. He's going to give us a little um, insight to some of the things that happened over a career. And then we're going to hear from Michelle Merch, who's one of our interns here, who's working with some of the wildest horses she's ever seen. And that's Sansom. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And am I excited to bring you the news of a revolutionary, new, all-in-one, shedding, bathing, grooming tool, hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. And you believe me, I've tried them all. Hands-on outperforms traditional curry combs, shedding blades, metal bristles, and all those things. Most animals will gravitate to you for more grooming and petting time. If you wear them, your animals will love you more for it. While using the hands-on gloves, you can easily handle water hoses, shampoo bottles, lead ropes, leashes, and anything you want with them on your hands. They are easy to clean, and they massage muscles and stimulate circulation while helping to distribute natural oils for a healthy skin and coat. Hands-on is changing the way we bathe, de-shed, and groom our animals forever. Hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. Horse and Hound magazine named Monty as one of the top 50 all-time greatest horsemen. He is the creator of the world-renowned and revolutionary equine training technique called Join Up. Monty still travels the world demonstrating that nonviolent, gentle training creates breakthrough performance as you partner with your horse. Growing up on a working horse farm, Monty witnessed traditional, often violent methods of horse training and breaking the spirit with an abusive hand. Rejecting that, he went on to win 11 World's Championships in the show ring. Today, Monty's goal is to share his message that violence is never the answer. Monty is credited with launching the first of its kind, Equus Online University. It's an interactive online lesson site that is the definitive learning tool for violence-free training. You know, I'm sitting in the most beautiful house you could ever imagine, and Later, we'll talk about goals and setting goals, and this house is one of the goals. And I'm sitting here thinking about how it all started and what my goals are. My life's goals, in other words. And I think back on it, and not very many children can say that 
the worst years of their lives was up to nine or ten. Shouldn't be that way. But for me, it was. The first nine, ten years of my life was left up to survival. It wasn't until 1981 that the CAT scan and the MRI came to California to find that I had 72 prepubescent fractures. None from horses. All from a father that demanded from me perfection, otherwise a beating. My childhood was racked with violence. And it was in the 40s, wasn't it? I mean, I started in 1939 to do stunts for the movies. I was Liz Taylor in 1943 in National Velvet. That's me. All those cross-country jumps. That's me. Survival was the key goal of mine till I was about nine or ten. And after that, it was win in order to survive because my father insisted on winning. I had to win everything. I go to school a couple of times a month to take the test because you had to prove you were getting an education and they had a wonderful teacher with me. And she kept me ahead of my regular class. Sister Agnes Patricia always would say to me, the way out of this, Monty, is to get a good education. Looking back on it, you know, sure, I was trying to survive. Sure, it was awful. It was horrible. But wasn't it maybe a blessing in disguise in that I went away from violence, broke the chain, and was obsessed with getting a good education. Winning to survive was one of my first goals. And the education was a part of that winning. There's no question about that. Behavioral sciences became my education. And this is the way I started with my horses. This is Ginger, my first horse, age four. Horses were not only my life, they were everything to me. Every single thing you can think of was related to horses for me. Where have you ever heard of a young child who thought enough of his horses to go to their stable and take a piece of wood off the wall to put it in a case like this. My mother helped me with that. Put it in a case because someday I want to remember Ginger. And this is a piece of wood from his stall where he lived when I was growing up. It was hands-on horses and the minds of horses, the thoughts of horses and why they do things, and the direction to take them to cause them to want to do their work, never to make them do their work. 
one to ten. Obsessed with getting it right. Obsessed with making goals for my life that I look back on now at age 84 and realize how important it was to me to set goals and cause them to be successful. Okay, so here we are in the saloon of our home. I got this only 20 years after we moved in here. We've been here 53 years. But it's a cowboy saloon. This is where the guys and I would come with mud on our boots and stuff like that. But also it was a collection of trophies and things, accomplishments that I had in the horse industry and the rodeo industry too. Showing horses from the saddle turned out to be a huge part of my life's goals. And since we're in the saloon and I have a pool table, a pool cue is a good pointer. And that trophy, that buckle right there, is for a world championship. My first world championship. It'll say on it, 1950. I was 15 years old. And I won the world championship in horse mastership, which means you had days of testing about anatomy and parts of the horse's equipment and everything, and then riding four different disciplines. My first world championship right there. All of these buckles are for collective championships of one sort or another. A world championship here in cutting a world championship here in bulldogging, team roping over here, and so forth and so on. The room is full of it. Life's goals. Be obsessed with your life's goal and go for it. Even if it's just one, go for it. These are all collective championships. World championships, one of my life's goals. You know, I guess everybody is entitled to one sort of offbeat life's goal. Huh? But my last year in high school, I went out for and played football. And um, it was quite interesting because during the course of doing that, I decided I wanted to be a champion football player. Um, I wasn't big enough and I wasn't fast enough or probably athletic enough. But I wanted it so bad. And um, a fellow who was coaching a local university or college in Salinas, California, came to me and um, he convinced me to come there and go out for the team. We ended up winning a national championship for the team. I mean, it was a life's goal. And I got there. And I don't accept failure. I want to win. And I want to succeed. You know, at age 21, 22, I was a cowboy. Nothing but a cowboy. And I wanted to win world championships in the rodeo arena. And so, 
I started to rodeo and my first event that I was doing well in was team roping. And it's the year we got married, 1956. And the finals were on the week we were getting married and they were in Colorado Springs. But I had enough points that I didn't go to the finals. We got married. And my teammates that I traveled with brought the saddle home to me and threw it down and said, you win the world championship without even going to the finals. And this is it, the saddle that was given for the world championship in team roping, 1956. And just over there is the bulldogging saddle, which happened in 1957, the very next year. I went to the finals and I had to be under four seconds on my last steer to win. I didn't have enough points to just glide through. And I was 3.8. And I won the world championship in bulldogging. I had already won 11 world championships. And a very wealthy man came to me and said, I want you to stop showing horses in the saddle. And I want you to produce race horses for me. I want to build the best racing operation you could imagine. And he sent me all over the world and I studied everywhere I could. The facilities that you need for a breeding farm. And I created Flag is Up Farms. And we had a five-year contract. And in those five years... We produced 12 champions in racing. Naturally, they didn't come in the first two years. They came in three, four, and five, and went on until 1978. And after 1978, we never put any more plaques on the board. If we had, there wouldn't just be 200 of them up here. One here from Australia um, is called Tobin Bronze. And he was a fantastic horse um, that was in the early days, in the 60s, that I had him. But anyway, we did it, and we made champions. And the champions went on. And the next goal was to produce two-year-olds for racing for other people to buy. So for 18 years, I bought yearlings to be sold as two-year-olds ready to go racing. Yeah, alleged is one of those. He's up here. He came early, 77 or something. That's about the last ones that went on this board. Champion after champion. You know, there's been other goals in my life um, which have come true and, and done well for me. But it's enough now. I want to finish up with two of the most important ones. And in the 1989-90 era, what did I get but a call from Queen Elizabeth II that she wanted to see my work. She had read about it and it seemed unreal and she wanted to see it. So they took me to Windsor Castle just outside of London in England. And there they have a riding hall, and Windsor Castle is the home of Queen Elizabeth II. 
And I did 23 horses in five days, taking their first saddle and first rider. And Her Majesty sat me down and said, There has to be a book. And it must tell about your life. What caused you, she said, to change everything around 100%. And it works. I don't believe it, but I want this for all the horses of the world. And at that time, I talked to her about what it's doing for people, too. Veterans and domestic violence, youth at risk, and that sort of thing. And the Queen said, I want you to do the veterans in England and my yearlings, thoroughbreds going to racing. Life's goal? How could I have had those circumstances to be a life's goal? I never could have dreamed it. And then Her Majesty saying, there has to be a book. The Man Who Listens to Horses was the first book. Now there's nine because of her influence. The Man Who Listens to Horses was published first in 1996 in England first because New York didn't want it. Horse books, they said, they don't sell but 300 copies or something and we don't want it. But a year later they said we want it. And a year later, the New York Times published a full page that my book, The Man Who Listens to Horses, had been on the New York Times bestseller list for over a year. And it turned out to be 58 weeks before it left the list. Life's goal? I never even had a life's goal to write a book let alone a New York Times bestseller. I am the only horseman on earth to have a book on the New York Times bestseller list about horses and his life. Ever. I am the luckiest man in the world. And the harder I work, the luckier I get. Okay, so, let me tell you that I bought an antique in Toronto, Canada. It had been in a World's Fair. It was a doll case, originally. All hand-rolled glass. Old glass. I was talking to the lady, and Pat was looking around some other antiques. And I gave her a credit card. And I said, I want that because I want it for a bookcase for the books I'm going to write. And when Pat heard about it, she was livid. And she said, you paid that much money for an antique that you've got one book? It was 1996, and we were going through the process of launching The Man Who Listens to Horses. Now it's full, and Pat's fine with it now, because it's a beautiful case. And they never broke a glass when they delivered it to California. It's incredible. Life's goals. Some of them we don't even know about when we get started. It just happens that they're there and you say, let's go. Let's do it. Make it work.
Imagine if you could take Monty to the barn with you. Watch and learn as he addresses each challenge with your horse and answers your questions too. You head to the arena and you work on each new lesson, knowing Monty's there to encourage you, all with violence-free, tried-and-true methods. After all, he's been helping train horse lovers all his life. With his online university, you could be like Kathy, a retired teacher who just bought her first horse. Recently, I went to a tack shop to look for a smaller halter. I'm 61, just purchased my 14 hands POA the day after my birthday, just a few weeks ago, after never having had a horse. And yes, that's crazy, but as a retired teacher who never had a hobby other than teaching, I decided to go for it. My hubby and I have taken lessons this past year, but I really longed for a relationship with a horse. Um, The only other experience I'd ever had was to ride a horse in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown, when I was 16, and I got bucked off. And that was it (laughs) until I was 61. Um, Well, the owner of this tax shop, um, this is Precious Lady, 84-year-old lady, gave me a copy of this magazine, Equine Monthly. And the article I read in it was Horses Are Biofeedback Beings. And it was just so interesting. I really felt like I just found a pot of gold when I read it because in it, it talked about Monty's online university and that I could have access to 575 videos for $10 a month. And before that, I was just searching YouTube for everything I could find. But truthfully, that's just a pain. Um, I love that the uni videos are concise and they're in order. Um, They have extra notes and a quiz. And I just can't thank you enough for the huge blessing of your online university really has changed my life and I will never be the same. Um, I've had my horse Jack now for seven weeks and thanks to the videos I've done join up with him and it really worked like a dream. Uh, I had to do it in the arena, but it still worked thanks to Monty's lessons and the cues and the hand signals. Um, the ability to watch the lessons over and over on demand is incredible. So I also want to thank you so very much for making the online university affordable for this retired teacher. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone who really wants to love a horse. Kathy. Michelle Murch is the Equine and Farm Program Manager at the New Hampshire SPCA and coordinates all programs and classes that they host. Michelle earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from Westfield State College and has over 24 years of experience in law enforcement, 14 years being with the Dover Mounted Unit as an officer, unit coordinator, and a trainer. She served eight years in the Army National Guard in communications. She hasn't been without a horse since the sixth grade. Well, welcome, Michelle Murch, and you're right here on our farm in Solvang, California, but where are you from? Hi, I am from uh, New Hampshire. Um, I was born in Massachusetts, and I have lived in New Hampshire for over 25 years. That's a long, cold winter, man. (laughs) Very cold. It was uh, negative 14 a couple days ago at home. (laughs) Negative 14. So it's February here now, but you came in the end of January. Yes, the end of January. So you've been here a few weeks few weeks now, right? Mm, Yes. And you you leave at the end of this week, Yes, I go home on Sunday. Go home. I mean, this is a... A tough question, but tell me about your experience. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah. Um, my experience here has been nothing short of amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected it to be 
incredible, um, but I had no idea. I had no idea how incredible it would be in the um, learning so many things that I thought I knew about being around horses for so many years. Um, and I have learned so much every single day from so many different people here um, and concepts I thought I knew. I have learned so much more about them and I've learned the why mm. and that's been huge for me. Yeah, the why. I, you know, I get that a lot mm-hmm. that people um, want to know a little bit about where the source of this flight animal and the language equus and, you know, and Monty's instincts on these things. Did you get to work with Monty a little bit? I did. Um, I was uh, very fortunate in having a couple of moments um, with Monty um, in the gentling pen, um, as we have the Mustangs here now. And uh, it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. And I, the, just the, the time that I had, um, the words that he spoke, how he spoke them, um, his tone, his, just everything about him was incredible. It was, it was emotional and it was wonderful. And, uh, I, there, there are times that I'm never going to forget. And, oh, that's um, awesome. thank you. That's very nice. And he would say thank you. <laughs> so I'll do it for him. But so I like to always hear a little bit about your horsey background. You know, how did you get into horses and stuff? Cause you have a long, a long career now yes. with horses. And that's why I think it's really important to hear your words about the experience of being here, but also where you're going to go from here too. And what you're doing with horses right now too. So give me the start. When did you get your first horse? Um, I got my first horse in sixth grade. Um, my parents bought me um, an Appaloosa pony who was the very best pony that ever could be. We had no business having a pony. We had no fences or a barn. <laughs> really? Where did you put him? In your in, living room? In or the what? backyard. Okay, and right. they, they finished the fences quickly. We were in the process, but he was too good to pass up. And oh, thankfully, think. we... Didn't. did yeah, yeah he we had a really great um run with steen his name was steen and uh so yeah my dad got a horse um as well so that we could ride together um which developed really great memories that is very cool too yes. good dad super cool um we had some scary moments too but i'll leave those out okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then i did some small shows and i rode through high school and then um, went to college, continued riding, um, on and off. And, but I always had a horse. I've never been without a horse since the sixth grade. That's amazing. <laughs> Which is great. That's thanks to my but parents. you're only 26. Yeah, now, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, a little bit older than yeah. 26. Um, so then I went off to college, um, and I got a degree in criminal justice and I became a police officer. Um, I moved to New Hampshire to become a police officer from Massachusetts and, um, my husband insisted that I bring my horse with me because I needed a hobby. So <laughs> I then had horses um, there, and I was assigned to the mounted unit. So um, I was a, um, a police officer on a horse. Um, we worked crowd events. Um, we did some crowd control. We did a lot of public relations. So I was assigned as the uh, an officer um, and the unit coordinator, which meant I was responsible for purchasing and training all the police horses because I had the most experience. <laughs> so luckily I had some great mentors um, from Boston Police Department and Boston Park Rangers um, that just showed me what to do and how to do it. And it it worked out. It worked out great. I was there um, on the mounted unit for 14 years. We trained a handful of horses um, in that time. 
Um, and I, I learned a lot about myself and about, mm. um, the horses because we spent so much time together. We rode five or six hours a day wow. on the same horses. So mm. you learned their behaviors. You learned the things that you did that would impact the horse, mm-hmm. um, emotions, yeah. um, stress. Um, we sang happy birthday a lot, which Aww. we did that because our breathing. Yes. Um, so breathing Very is so good. important. And I didn't realize until I got here how important it was, but that's how we calmed ourselves down. We would sing happy birthday and then it would calm the horse down and we'd go about our business. So, you can't be upset if you're singing happy birthday. No, you can't. Exactly. <laughs> and it slowed everything down. So, um, I, Retired from police work in um, 2020, and I decided I couldn't stay home. And so I took a job as the equine and farm program manager at the New Hampshire SPCA, which was um, a dream job after my previous dream job. Um, So I took that role on. They had just gotten a new arena, a new barn, and they were looking to expand the equine program. Um, in 2012, they only had three horses adopted out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so they were really trying to build up because there's so much, there's such a need. And we were mm-hmm. one of the only rescues in the state that takes um, farm animals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just not a lot of places for them to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were really trying to expand. We have cats and dogs and smalls. And so now we take lots of horses. We can have probably... 23 horses on the property at the time. That's quite a few. That's, yeah, that's work. it's work. So this year we, this past year we um, adopted 42 horses out. Wow. So congratulations. Yeah. That puts you pretty high on the scale for the ASBC across the nation. I frankly. would think so. It, it was a really, um, it was really, it was great. It was, uh, it was a really good year. I have a great team. We have a lot of support. Um, but again, I was, hired to train the horses because I have so much experience, but I don't have all that much training experience except my life experience. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have any professional, um, so to speak, training experience. Mm-hmm. So when this opportunity um, oh, to come out here, to come out here yeah. happened, it was, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can do things more efficiently um, and safer and quicker even, um, I think that we can help so many more, more horses. Yeah. Um, Will you train volunteers now in some of these? Yes. Concepts? The yeah. volunteers and my techs that I have to, uh, full-time and part-time tech that, um, also help me, you know, work and, and training is every time you're with your horse. So yeah. it's so important for when our volunteers come in and when they're working around the horses to know all these concepts and all the ridiculous things that we have been doing wrong that, uh-huh. you know, I just didn't, really think mattered. And, um, when we came, when I came here and having the opportunity to work with the Mustangs, um, those horses are the most incredible teachers. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what you actually, uh, you're participating in now. Yes. This week started on Monday. Yes. The, um, gentling wild Mustangs mm-hmm. course. <laughs> so I get to have that as well as this whole experience. Um, so the Mustangs came in the same day I did. Um, and, uh, myself and the other intern, uh, were assigned two horses that we were going to work with out of the group. And, um, so I was able to be the first one to touch, um, 
Kevin, as we call him, his mm. name is really Apache. Um, <laughs> if someone wants to adopt him down the road. That's right. That's right. If he's still is, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will not take another horse. Um, <laughs> She's chanting that, I can tell. <laughs> so uh, we were, again, I was able to be the first one to, um, you know, scratch him on the withers. And we've worked on um, the desensitizing and moving him in the gentling pen and into the chutes and being able to safely um, pick up his feet with the um, false hands mm-hmm. um, for everybody's safety. And just the progress in two weeks has been incredible. This morning when I went out to clean, he came in um, to the stall with us, which he's pretty flighty, so he hadn't done. Um, but he came in with us and he just wanted to be yeah. with us. And it was, it was pretty incredible. And, um, so he, this, since the class started, um, actually he was, I think Simon took him out on a lead, um, after we got a halter on, took him out into the gentling pen on a lead. And it was incredible. He did great. He really progressed quickly. He never, ran around um it was it was really um wild to see (laughs) i tease that word but um because these animals are so raw and so you know they only know you know the language Mm -hmm. that they know which Mm -hmm. is you know equus that that they only know their own language and we have to communicate with them and it's so true the breathing and the eye contact and the pressure and the release of pressure, um, all those things that I, I really haven't thought enough about. Mm -hmm. And we have back at the rescue, a lot of abused animals. Um, and we just need to slow everything down and remember all those things to make sure that they can feel safe and that they understand that going forward, there's not going to be any more, Mm -hmm. you know, abuse or pain or that we're going to stop that. And so that's, do you think they do you think they know? Do you kind of get the feeling that mm, especially with the abused ones, they I'm not talking do. about these wild ones here. They're they probably do. shouldn't know no, <laughs> you know that right. we're safe. But they the do. Sometimes when we go out to uh, a rescue, actually every time we've been out to a rescue, the horses will come out of horrific situations, whether they've been in a stall for nine months and they have manure, you know, up to their bellies and they haven't had water and they haven't had all these things, or they're afraid of us because of the actual abuse, not just neglect. They hop on those trailers and they, you see it. Um, that's one of my, my greatest gifts that I've been given when I work with these animals is that they, I'll try not to get emotional. Uh, I'm with you. <laughs> they, um, you see it in their eyes. They, 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 they thank you. Yeah. They, every day, every day that you are kind to them and every day that you just go and do all the things that they need you to do mm-hmm. and you, you help them and you also show them that you are their leader. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. I, um, I tell people that I'm like, you, you know, Thank you. Like, (laughs) thank you for allowing me to do this. And thank you for supporting us in these efforts because these animals say it to us every day. So this, this may not be a logical extension of what you just said, (laughs) but what do you feel like is the greatest reward in a horse's mind from us? Um, I feel like, um, the greatest reward is being a good leader for them and um, 
re- and that release of pressure and that pressure when they need it. And I, I really think they need a strong leader because um, it's what they have, you know, naturally in the wild. And I think, I think that they struggle with that, you know, and, and, and the yeses and the nos, mm-hmm. we need to be clear mm-hmm. and they need to know right from wrong. Cause that's what they crave. They, they, the gray areas are confusing and hard for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need to know when it's a yes and when it's a no, because then they can behave a certain way mm-hmm. and then they're not receiving mixed signals, um, or, you know, being hit with a crop when they don't even know why they're being hit with a crop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I really think being a good leader and and the black and the white, you know, mm-hmm. being very consistent and clear. That's fair. That's a fair. I think a lot of people say, my horse is unpredictable. And I think if we could ask their horse, mm-hmm. yes, it might be maybe not unpredictable, but I think we're inconsistent. Inconsistent. So I think that's what you're. And I think yeah. that we, I think I do it all the time mm-hmm. with my own horses because you're so used to just doing and being but then sometimes you know after being here and again working with the mustangs because you have to be very clear Mm -hmm. with what you're asking Mm -hmm. um because in your head and right (laughs) that's so so true and and here with the pressure and release um just in today when we were able to when i was able to lead um kevin for the first time the pressure and release it has to be it's so light and it's so has to be so immediate and Mm -hmm. Um, thankfully Simon is a very good instructor and can calmly Mm. tell you when you need to be doing that and when exactly. And, and you can work through it because there's a lot of emotions when you're out there and there's a lot of adrenaline and that all has to, you know, stay calm Mm. and down and Mm -hmm. we can can pull that right out of our skin, can't they? They know they can when our breathing is shallow and when Mm. our adrenaline is up and breathing so important. Yes. And you were part of the Horse Sense and Healing while you were here. Yes. Oh, what a great program. Mm -hmm. That program, um, which helps uh, veterans with post-traumatic stress. And um, having been in stressful situations, I'm sure I have a lot of that myself from police work. And um, so it was incredible um, to see. uh, I worked with an individual who at the beginning, um, we were out, uh, grooming the horses the first day. Mm -hmm. And, um, this person really enjoyed it. And, um, we were talking and they got a little bit, um, stressed and kind of loud, but I was never worried. I was never, I didn't feel uncomfortable and neither did the horse. The Mm -hmm. horse absorbed, all of that mm-hmm. as they continue to just groom. Um, and, uh, I watched as, um, the next day we did join up. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the program, that individual's comments and, um, just their whole demeanor had changed mm-hmm. and just, just involving the horses in that therapy, if you will, and allowing them, allowing these people to, relax and express mm-hmm. and also understand that you have to treat an animal a certain way. You know, you can't be angry and yelling and whatever all the time. You know what I mean? And forceful. And forceful. Try to push a thousand pound animal around, right? You can't make them do anything. They have yeah. to want to do it. And they learned how to do that. And I think that that really translates to their personal lives. Mm-hmm. So it was 
that's a great program. I would love to try to do something like that in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I would yeah. love for you. Yeah, I would love. We love spreading that that message and the facility. We have mm-hmm. um, for our Gentling facility. We do have now architectural drawings for that, oh, so nice. that we can replicate that. And and I'm thinking, you know, the ASPCA would be the place. Um, you know, the Right Horse Initiative understands us. We had a relationship with them first before they became a program of the ASPCA. And it's been fun to watch that growth. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, they've been um, super helpful, obviously, in um, getting us here. Yeah. And giving us this opportunity. Um, I know. And I'm, so many other things. Yeah, so just so we can sort of explain what Michelle was doing here to the listeners is that um, the idea is to get experienced horsemen in here who are still open-minded, good students, want to learn, know that there's still more that we can do for these horses. So much more. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so much more, yes. Yeah. And and then have them take those back, those concepts back, those methodologies, those um, little tricks and tips back to your volunteer armies and your, you know, influence the influence that you have michelle over horsemen all around you we always like to say i think dad's favorite saying for when people say what should i tell that person who was too forceful loading his horse on the trailer just help them you know just let the horses do the talking if they will allow you to you know there's a lot of opinionated horsemen (laughs) (laughs) for sure (laughs) and that that might be the hardest thing to overcome but but we're really happy to have you and um, hate oh. to see you go. So would love to see you come and do that drive again. Oh, please. I would be, I would be, uh, so grateful to come back at any time. And I'm, I was blessed to be here and thank you for having me. And I can't, I can't thank you enough. Um, the, the amount that I've learned in this period of time and just the experience is like no other. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language. Dear Monty, I have heard you discuss carrying a good pocket knife while working around horses. Can you elaborate on the reasons why it can be helpful? Monty's answer. Knife makers have recently designed a knife that is perfect for the horseman. They tell me it was designed for a professional fisherman. It is made of a type of steel that does not corrode and is equipped with a clip on it so that it sits at the top of your pocket, easily reachable. There are features that allow one to open the knife with one hand. I suggest that every horse person should have one and that they should keep it in the same place all the time. One should practice removing it from the pocket and opening it with one hand. This should become a muscle memory act, which can be done over and over without mishandling. The knife that I use is only about 4 inches, 10 centimeters long, so that it fits easily into the pocket of my jeans. The blade has a ring on the back portion of it, which allows me to grip it with my thumb and index finger. With a learned flick of the wrist, I can open the knife and have it in a position to use within a couple of seconds. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. 
And that will be in February. We're coming right around the corner here from February 13 to 25 is the introductory course of horsemanship. You can take that two-week course or it's 10 days, or you could break it up into modules. So the modules go like this. February 13 through 15 is the first steps to Monty's methods. February 16 to 18 is the join-up module. And February 20 to 22 is module three on long lining. So those all go together. And then if you're prepared to take the prep, February 23 through 25 is the preparation for the intro exams. And that rounds out your introductory course of horsemanship. Then in March, we have March 11, Horsemanship 101. March 13 through 17, we have Monty's special training. That is that is a really fun week. And fun that it's going to be on St. Patty's Day, too. We'll finish up strong on Friday night. And then uh, March 18th is our Mountain Trail Play Day. We've got going here at Flag is at Farms on our Mark Bolander tra- Extreme Trail. April, we start off that way. April 1st, no kidding, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day again. And then April 10th through 14th, we have introductory exams. And then we go into April 17th through 25th, advanced exams. And that's with our rock star instructor extraordinaire. That's Denise Heinlein from Germany. We're flying her in for that. You can see more about this on MontyRoberts.com his calendar, or you can even call 805-688-6288. For details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook. That would be facebook.com Monty Roberts. So that's facebook.com forward slash Monty Roberts. And then on Twitter, he's twitter.com forward slash Monty underscore Roberts. And Instagram, yes, and beautiful, is instagram.com forward slash Monty underscore Roberts. And many thanks to our sponsors. That is handsongloves.com. Thank you, Jay, and all your team over there with those beautiful grooming gloves. And MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And thank you to our team of Julia and Janine, who are videographers, and Wayne edits, and um, they do an amazing job with all the lessons. Nearly 800 now. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 